Kia ora everyone. I was just involved in writing an article for the Institute of Directors in New Zealand called Moving, Seconding, But Why? And my co-authors were Mele Wint and Karen Rangi, and I thought we touched on a topic that would be relevant for all of you to hear about as well. So I'm going to read it out. This was published on the 11th of July, 2023. How often have you been in a board meeting where the chairperson asks for someone to move a motion or asks for someone to second it? We all have. But what is the legal basis for it? Is this needless bureaucracy that takes time and effort to record for decisions which are nearly always by consensus anyway? And what does the practice say about our conception of governance and the approach to board decision-making itself? The short answer is simple. There is no legal requirement for this. The obvious place to look is the Companies Act. That doesn't require it, and neither does other legislation. Despite this, it has become ingrained in governance culture and is now very common, and even the default, for chairs to respond, but this is how we do things. The Institute of Directors in its Board Meetings Practice Guide has minute templates that include details for all resolutions, including who moved and seconded a motion. Should this be accepted as best practice, though? We want to question it to ensure that old paradigms of thinking about governance do not continue when they are no longer relevant or represent the wrong approach. For example, if they are based on a different mindset and conception that placed individualism over collective decision-making. A quick history lesson. Individuals can have oversized influence on a particular practice, and that is the case here. When it was published in America in 1876, the Pocket Manual of Rules of Order for Deliberative Assemblies, written by former U.S. Army officer Henry Robert, set the standards for meetings of all types, both business and community organizations. While that origin of many governance standards is somewhat lost in time, the book was very influential and became known as Robert's Rules of Order. The practice of moving and seconding was outlined in that book and seeped into governance approaches throughout English-speaking countries, including New Zealand. However, it is important to note that book had a bias towards decisions being made by majority rather than by consensus. So the philosophy that underpins the approach in Robert's Rules contrasts to that which we would advocate for as a better way of conceiving the role of governance and how decisions are made. Because one of us is a lawyer, we also scoured legislation but found nothing mandating the practice of moving and seconding. We looked for some cases and found one in the 1879 English decision of Rehorbury Bridge Coal Iron and Wagon Company, which concluded that at common law, there is no requirement that a motion be seconded at a company meeting unless that is normally what is done in that company. We acknowledge that for some councils and other statutory bodies, that may be required and stipulated in standing orders, but mostly it's tradition, and that can be refreshed. Why is this an important issue to consider, and what does it say about our board cultures? We think boards are overcomplicating things and requiring process to be followed that is not even needed. A fundamental principle of decision-making by boards is that they are collectively responsible, so singling out people to move or second a decision goes against that principle. The moving and seconding approach has an individualistic emphasis, which aligns with a Western conception of the world more than an indigenous perspective. In our view, dropping this approach would align more with collective decision-making practices of Maori and Pacific cultures. It's never about the individual who proposed things or did the initial work who pushed the decision. Instead, it's about the whole group and its decision made together. If we were practicing consensus decision-making in our boardrooms, which we are and all those the authors are part of, then we shouldn't fall back to rigid processes and rules. We say that because in collective korero talanoa discussion, a good board chair will implement various strategies to manage issues. 
We should also have board charters and codes of conduct, and rely on both individual and collective responsibility to hold ourselves and others to account, and maintain the highest standards of behavior. Are there situations where this tradition might still be appropriate? If you vote against a resolution, then that can be recorded. It might even affect how a judge views your contribution at a later date. But that is not the same thing as going through the motions of asking for someone to move and second motions where the whole board agrees. So what about another perspective? Perhaps it is useful to have a motion moved by one person who did the most work on the proposal or wants to be recorded as proposing it. However, you could argue that as a board member like this, wanting their individual actions recorded is not being a team player. Instead, they want to be player of the day. What about keeping a record for controversial decisions? Perhaps there is a role where it's unclear if the issue should even be debated. Having one person propose it and another second it might show it is worthwhile. There may also be value in a checking process like this in a different context. For example, where there are 150 people at an AGM and someone proposes a totally inappropriate or unnecessary topic to discuss. In that context, perhaps there may be a reason for someone to second such a suggestion. But taking that unique situation and then also requiring moving and seconding in a boardroom setting, it doesn't seem necessary. However, that seems to be what has occurred. In the IOD guide mentioned above, it is noted, a motion or resolution may need to be moved and seconded where it is debated and voted upon. It is standard practice for a chair to put a motion or resolution to the meeting with no mover or seconder if they feel the topic has been sufficiently debated and a decision is imminent. All this implies that more controversial decisions would need to have a mover and seconder to meet the criteria to then have a discussion. A little election is held before the topic can be raised. However, if it's a topic that a board member thinks is worthy of debate, then such a criteria seems quite arbitrary. It seems to also have seeped out from that original purpose of larger meetings to now infect nearly all decisions that do not truly need a mover and a seconder. The way forward. We are here to argue for a move to simplicity and clarity. In our boardrooms, let's ask why we continue with this practice of having movers and seconders. It's not actually a legal requirement. Let's start a movement where we simply pass the resolution and get rid of unnecessary complexity and the time-wasting tradition in our meetings. This would help our meetings to be easier to understand, be more culturally aligned with who we are in Aotearoa, and remove a practice which is not adding value and which goes against the fundamental governance principle and responsibility of collective decision-making. So the next time you are asked if you want to second a motion, perhaps ask back, but why? Well, I hope you enjoyed that little article. Whenever I produce content, I always try to make it accessible in other forms, so this will now be an audio version of that IOD article. Until next time, kakiteano!